Hello and welcome back to Mum Talk. Can you believe that this is the fourth podcast I am putting up, which means Mum Talk's been going a month. Isn't that insane? I I mean, I think it's insane. Um, So, welcome back to the fourth one and thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you are, if this is becoming like a regular weekly thing for you, then I am so, so happy. This is really, really, really becoming a passion project for me and I absolutely adore doing this every week. If you've been following on my social media, you will have seen I was in London uh, last week and I was speaking almost every day to amazing women talking about their birth stories, their pregnancies, everything that was going on for them and it's filling me with so much joy listening to them, knowing that there are some amazing things ahead of me in pregnancy and also not so amazing, but amazing things in pregnancy. I'm well into my second trimester now, so I'm 16 weeks tomorrow, which will be Thursday. Um, I'm actually recording this little section before Zoe joins me on this podcast uh, on Tuesday. And we've just had our photo shoot done at the house for um, a lifestyle magazine for the July issue, which will be absolutely amazing, but oh my goodness, it has taken me days to get the house sorted and right and exactly how I wanted. Um, and then I have to say, yeah, it's not been kind of the most relaxing day today. I've been in and out of shots and I'm not really used to doing this kind of thing. So it's been pretty, pretty crazy and I'm pretty tired. But after I've done this, I'm on to teach my prenatal class, which will make me feel so much more relaxed. And then I'm home for an evening of sofa and hopefully chocolate in there somewhere (laughs) after a healthy dinner. But I'm feeling so much better. I think being in London really helped my nausea subside. So fingers crossed, touch wood. Um, My nausea has now gone and I'm starting to embrace my pregnancy a little bit more. I now have a proper little bump going, which I will start to share on social media if you're interested um, kind of over the next couple of weeks. But Hendrik's now home from France and we've got another week together of mother kind. Now, I'm not even going to try and tell you all the amazing things that she does with Motherkind, uh, but she also works alongside Motherkind, which is her passion project, um, being a marketing advisor. But we go on to talk about all of that in the podcast. But in addition to that, we talk about her motherhood, what's going on in motherhood for her right now. We also talk about social media um, and how you you can struggle as a mother with um, comparison on things like Instagram. And I know all about this from the yoga world, but Um, It's a big thing also in motherhood and if you're a mum you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. We talk about the mental side of being pregnant um, and she also goes ahead to talk about her 12-step recovery which um, she has been in and how she's been dealing with pregnancy um, and her fears, her anxieties around motherhood. We also talk about self-employment and work, juggling work and motherhood, um, about working in a business, running her own business, and also advice on what she would give to pregnant mums and new mums. We talk about self-care, a yoga practice, her meditation practice, and of course the quick fires at the end. So have a listen, let me know what you think. As always, write down any questions that you might have and then email them through to me. I'll give you the email at the end of the podcast. Have a great time listening. 
This morning I am with the amazing Zoe. Um, she is mother to a two-year-old little girl and runs the most incredible um, company called Motherkind and also has her own podcast. So I'm really excited to speak to Zoe this morning. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. So I'm going to jump straight in there and ask the first question that everyone wants to know and what's going on for you in motherhood right now? Oh yes, I am going to be brutally honest. We are going through a bit of a sleep regression. So yeah, Jessie's always slept really well. So she started sleeping through the night from about 10 months. And um, so she's been sleeping seven till seven from that time. So I've got quite uh, relaxed and used to getting lots of sleep. And for about five weeks, she has not been wanting to sleep. Oh no. Yeah, she's, well, she's not been wanting to sleep without me there. Okay. So it means I'm not really able to work in the evenings or go out in the evenings because I'm sort of sitting, hushing her. And then on Monday night, I think it was, yeah, she was up from one till 5 a.m. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard. I'm just really hoping it's a phase. Yeah. And um, yeah. Did she I'm tired. Sleep? I bet. I bet. Did she sleep a lot when she was a baby, or is this kind of not really? No, she didn't. She she's always slept well, but I co-slept with her okay. for the start, and then she went into her own room when she was about six, seven months, and then when she was about ten months, she started sleeping through the night. Um, so yeah, so relatively, you know, I think that's very normal. I think it's a myth that we should have tiny little babies that sleep through the night. They're not actually supposed to. So yes, she's a a normal sleeper, but apparently this regression is really normal. And, um, that's where NC2 groups are so useful because all of us are sharing on our WhatsApp group that everyone's going through it. Mm. And that's really good to hear. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm tired, but other than that, it's, uh, I'm in an amazing place with her. She's, She's funny as hell and <laughs> cheeky and really loving and really sweet. Yeah, so tired but but happy. <laughs> oh, good, good. So I, you just, I just want to pick up on the NCT um, because it's something that I'm considering signing yeah. on for. Yeah. Mainly because I live in a really tiny little village um, outside of Exeter and it would be really nice to meet some mums in the village. And um, we've got an NCT group that's in our village hall. Um is it really worth doing? Would you highly recommend it? Kind of what, what do you learn from doing NCT? So I did NCT, to be honest, for the mums that I wanted to meet. Because a few other people had told me, a few mums who are a couple of years ahead of me had said it's really nice to, in those early months to mm-hmm. have someone that you can go for coffee with that's really local. So a lot of us are on a couple of streets away. Oh, lovely. Um and that would be a lifeline. So I, I did it for that element. In terms of the what you learn, um, it depends on what type of a person you are. I think if you've got a really busy job and you're not carving out the time to do your own sort of reading, and it, you know, then I think it can be really useful. But mm. my personal experience is that I'd done a lot of that. I mean, I'd trained as a pregnancy yoga teacher, so I had a lot of knowledge. Mm. Um, so I did it more for the, for the friendships, which I've definitely got. So yeah. I, I recommend it for that reason. Oh, lovely. I'm, I'm definitely going to sign on. I got a bit of a push email yesterday being like, you haven't signed up yet. Yeah, I mean, it is quite so, expensive. Um, and it is. It's, it's more expensive than I thought, Yeah, actually. yeah. It's not something that's a no-brainer. Um, and I think if you've got that community already, then I would probably say don't do it. But it, my experience was it was a real 
lifeline like even now our babies are coming up for two and a half and we all still meet a couple of times a week when we can oh, so nice. and we have a really active whatsapp group where it's just it's just really lovely and I think there's something about having children all exactly the same age mm. so they're all born within two or three weeks of each other mm. and it's different than friends who have got older babies or younger babies because they often can't remember what it was like you know and I can't remember exactly what it was like when Jessie was one so when I ask a friend who's got a five six year old yeah. it's not the same yeah so yeah I think I think for me it was it was a real lifeline especially those first few months where it's like world goes upside down yeah <laughs> so what does your as a working mum what does your day look like so every day is different uh, because I work for myself. Mm-hmm. So I do three things through my week. One is I look after Jessie two days. Okay. Um, the other is I run Mother Kind, as you were saying. I'm sure we'll chat about that. And then the third is I also do marketing consultancy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, God. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mother Kind is, you know, it's so new and it's a passion project, really. Yeah. So I do the consultancy just to... I mean, I love it. I do love it. But I do that as well so that I can put some food on the table. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. So, um... I wanted to get, I was reading your about section on your website for Motherkind Mm -hmm. um, and something really jumped out at me, which I think is a huge topic and I thought, well, we might as well jump straight in there. So you mentioned that in early motherhood, you struggled with comparison on Instagram. Yeah. Now I'm very aware of this in the yoga world because my kind of Instagram and my social media connection and my community is based in the yoga world. I'm sure that's going to change and actually currently... It is changing because I'm posting a lot more about motherhood and um, podcasting and my yoga practice actually has pretty much been non-existent Mm. in my first trimester because I have just not wanted to practice and my body's been very sore, my pelvis especially has been quite sore. Well your body knows what it wants doesn't it? So if it's telling you not to practice then... Exactly. So how... Can you enlighten me into how you were feeling about this comparison on Instagram and motherhood? Yeah, I mean, what's, yeah. What's it it's, like? it's, I sort of have to tell the whole of the story, really, to put it in context. So I um, have been sort of on a inner journey, I call it, from the age of about 22, where I got into 12-step recovery and therapy and meditation. And um, so for the past sort of 10, 12 years, I've been really into that world and interested in myself and um how what I can learn about myself and how I can find more happiness and joy basically that's Mm. what that's what the how the journey started and what it still is about for me so yeah at the time when I had Jessie I was a trained meditation teacher I'd been in recovery a long time you know if you're in recovery you'll know I had lots of sponsees and people will know what that means if they're in recovery um and yeah and I was a coach and I was I was always on retreats so I sort of naively thought that I knew it'd be challenging having a baby but I didn't think I'd struggle from a mental health perspective Mm -hmm. I thought I've got tools I know what I'm doing what happened is I totally and some to some extent rightly so got utterly absorbed in this little bundle of amazingness and I stopped doing everything that I knew to do to keep myself happy and sane Mm -hmm. so I stopped doing my daily meditation I stopped my yoga practice I stopped my journaling I stopped going to as many recovery meetings you know and slowly it wasn't a one day the next day type thing it was a drip feed Mm. 
and I talk about it but on the website because it was it was I remember it really specifically the moment when I realized what had happened and one of the things that I noticed happening was this massive comparison so I used to have it before I started in my early 20s compare and despair I called it I was always comparing myself to others sometimes finding myself above sometimes finding myself below but always in some level of comparison and through my recovery and my inner work that had really dissipated and I was feeling very comfortable with where I was um so I noticed it coming back around motherhood and I would you know, I think when you're at home with a newborn, you're naturally going to look for a different way to connect. And social media is an obvious place. You know, if you're housebound, breastfeeding, a lot of yeah. people turn to Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And I just noticed that I was starting to find myself lacking with a lot of the photos and the captions and the images that I was seeing. Um, especially even some of the like more honest posts, I would manage to find a way to compare myself. So that was a real red flag for me. Um, that I had lost my sense of security in myself. Mm. So often, like, the first place that my mind will go mm. is to start to tell me that I'm not as good as X person or Y person or look what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, so that really, really noticing that kick-started the next phase of my journey, which is where I learned how to fit in everything that I know to do with being a present mum. And that's where the mother kind was born, really, because I thought I bet other mums have struggled with this and are struggling with this. Mm. Not just comparison, but other things as well. Absolutely. And I was talking to Lisa on this week's podcast and she she almost had a, a little kind of kick as well, thinking, well, actually, I need to look after myself. I need to do what's right for me so I can then effectively look after my child. Exactly, yeah. And, I, yeah. and you know, for the first you know good few weeks of motherhood, that went totally out of the window and then she did think, right I've got to actually have to put this in the right order yeah I think I think it's so interesting those first first few weeks you know it really is intense Mm. um you know Jesse didn't really want to leave my boob although breastfeeding was a whole other tricky journey um and I think that's why I sort of say it's not black and white because in some ways I think it's right that you know in those early days it is it is all about nourishing and caring and getting a bond as I came out of that about three four months that's when I I teach now that it's important to start thinking about ourselves again because what I learned was that you know without doing those things to look after myself I just wasn't very happy no and that's not a good energy to be putting out at all you know Mm. babies need happy mums and could you feel that your baby your newborn was picking up the kind of feelings that you were having because I've heard that they do really feel, if you're anxious, then they cry more. If you're more relaxed and they're more settled, could, could you feel a difference? Yeah, they are incredibly intuitive. I think when I noticed the difference was we had a bit of a breastfeeding struggle. So Jessie had an undiagnosed tongue tie. Oh, right. Yeah, so we, breastfeeding was, was hard, but I, you know, again, like one of the symptoms I think of not being on my journaling practice and really checking in with myself was that I really pushed on with breastfeeding. Right. Even though it was obvious it wasn't working and it was quite stressful for her and me. Mm. And when I noticed a real change in her is when I finally went, enough's enough. And we switched to the bottle and my shoulders dropped about 10 inches and I think oh. hers did as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, they do really, they do really pick up on it. I always say that's what, you know, there's these huge debates, isn't there, like breast or bottle, and I always that's say, huge. actually, I don't, I don't, 
I know breast milk is better from a scientific perspective, but my personal view is that the most important thing is that there's a mum who feels calm, Mm. who feels connected to herself, connected to her baby, you know, relatively secure in in what you're doing because it's such an overwhelming time. Mm. It's like you're doing the biggest job you've ever done for the first time. I always say it's like starting a new job, you know, that feeling of walking in and you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's like that every day. My we goodness. need we need really powerful, uh, I think, mental health tools yeah. to help cope with that. And yeah. when I didn't, when I wasn't using mine, I'm like the case study for what can happen because I I was crying a lot. <laughs> Did you turn to things like books and things like that for reference? I mean, I when I first found out that I was pregnant, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, my listeners will know about this because I talk about it a lot, but. I am the first doing this in my family. So my cousins who are older than me and my sister who's older than me, they're, they're not married and they're not, they're, well, they're not pregnant. Um, and so I'm the first. And I, t- I panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get a book. I've got to find someone to tell me, you know, what I'm meant to be doing in this time. So did, would you say that books are a great source of reference or really trust yourself or how kind of because I know there are a lot of expecting mums out there just like where do I turn to do I trust myself or yeah I think it's really interesting and I went on a real journey with it so when I was first pregnant someone gave me what to expect when you're expecting I have that yeah and I started to read it and because of my you know my trainings and my teaching I'm a massive believer in the power of the mind mm-hmm. Um, you know I I really believe that you know what we think about can manifest and it's so important so as I was reading that it seemed really negative to me and um, so I intuitively just put it down Mm. and later was when I was on my pregnancy training a lot of the midwives there said the same thing they absolutely wouldn't recommend that book for that reason that's interesting yeah because it I don't know about you but you know, every page it seemed to list like three or four things that could harm the baby or could hurt the baby or what could go wrong with the baby. And I just thought, I think it's about knowing yourself. Like, I have quite a negative mind. So my mind is wired to quite catastrophic thinking. Mm. Um, and I know that about myself. So it's my responsibility to manage that. So what I recommend and what I did then in the latter part of my pregnancy was read books which gave information in a really balanced way but also taught me how to tap into my instinct as well how Mm. to tap into what felt right for me and have some confidence around that Mm. um I don't think you know we talk about mum mother's instincts I don't for me my experience wasn't that I had this like strong sense of what I should do and nothing else you know it wasn't like that it's more that Actually, if I sit quietly with myself and, you know, maybe journal about it or ask a few friends that I trust or maybe my yoga teacher or someone who's on the same sort of path as me, then I might get some information that would back up with how I was feeling. That that's my experience. Um, And then when I first had Jessie, I read a book um, which I threw away. Um, which was about how to care for your baby in the early days. And I remember there was like a triple page spread about identifying different types of cry. Wow. And Jessie would have been about three weeks. And I just looked at it and I remember thinking, I I can't identify one of her cries. I must be the, you know, the most terrible mother in the whole world. But actually what I did was the right thing, which was I just, I thought if this is causing me more stress, 
That's what I'd say. If you're reading a book or even talking to someone or even listening to a podcast, that is causing you to feel less than, it's causing you to feel insecure or it's causing you to feel like you're not good enough, put it down. Absolutely. Because none of that is is your truth and none of that is your reality. If you're reading something like my favourite book, which is my my teacher's book, um, a lady called Gurma Kalsa who wrote an amazing book on pregnancy and birth, um, and that I read that and I felt empowered and mm. I felt strong and I felt and that's how you want to feel when we're reading information so that would be my guide I wouldn't say read this don't read that because all of us are so different and we're Absolutely. coming at this from such a different place but I would use that as your guide if it makes you feel rubbish put it down yeah basically there's no yeah. point which is really common sense isn't common it? sense yeah Absolutely. we wouldn't read a novel that was making us you know feel horrendous inside no um we would put it down and i and i say do the same and be you know have some um have some conviction with that it's totally fine even if your friends love that book it doesn't yeah. work for you yeah put it down yeah i did have a friend who um she, bless her she took a picture of loads of loads of books that she had and she was saying which books do you want which books do you want and I was thinking, I have no idea. Do I need all of those books? Do I do I need them? Because I don't think I'm going to read them. And are they actually going to give me anything that kind of I need to know? Or will I naturally know it? So I think that's really interesting. And I, um, when I was reading the What to Expect, when you're expecting, you're right. Like There are obviously great medical knowledge in that book of things to know. But then there's also a lot of don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, it might happen this and you might have this and... I when I actually got that book, you know, at the beginning it says only read the month that you're in or the few weeks right, okay, you're yeah. in. Don't read to the end. <laughs> and I actually flicked straight to the back <laughs> and I was like, bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> so you yeah. know, I think I think for me, I was keen to um, you know start my motherhood journey. You know, I think. It, there's so much focus in the phase that we're at, you know, that first sort of three, four years. But mm. I think from chatting to lots of women on the podcast who have older children, it gets harder and harder and harder. Mm. So I think, you know, learning to tap into what feels right for us and what felt right for me is 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 probably the most vital skill. Yeah, for especially early motherhood. on if you can early on. Especially if you can do that early on. But it's really hard. There's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I talk about in Mother Kind as well. You know, there's so much noise. I don't know if you've had this, but the moment I said I was pregnant, the advice started coming. Oh, yes. No one had ever had such a big opinion on my life as yes. when I said I was pregnant. Strangers, yes. family, friends, people I hadn't spoken to for years, you know, yeah. all this advice. And I think if you don't have a centre of nerve, some way of working out what's right for you, I can imagine that would send anyone's head into a massive spin because because you'll know this most of it's contradictory mm. it's not like there's you know do it this way yeah you know there's massive contradictory advice around things like sleep training you know some people saying you have to do it, it's the best thing oh. some people saying it's deeply psychological psychologically damaging you know what are we supposed to do with this and the only thing that we can do is insource our power yeah you know read books that feel good think about think about you as a person you know that's what I always say to mums as well. Are you an organised person? Do you write lists and do you like routine and structure? Then maybe a structure is going to be right for you. Mm. But if, you're, if you've always been a bit of a free spirit and you've done things as you like to do them, routine isn't going to work for you. Mm. You know, so it's about knowing ourselves, really. I think that's where it all starts. That's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it like that. 
But yeah, I guess you have to look at yourself first. Of course. And then... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't be like a, you know, free spirit, spontaneous, oh, let's stay out another hour, you know, and then and then think that you're going to get on with a Gina Ford style yeah. minute by minute. It's going to break you. It's going to be hell. Yeah. And conversely, the other way, yeah. you know, if you're used to managing your life, often mums that have come from big corporate jobs or, you know, lots of structure, going on to a you know, structureless, sleep when the baby sleeps, eat when the baby eats, is that's going to feel really disconcerting as well. Mm. So I think it's about knowing you because, you know, I deeply believe that when you find what works for you, it will work for the, it will work for the baby because you'll be relaxed and happy about it. Yeah. And as you were talking about before, it's that energy that will infuse your connection and your relationship. God, that's so interesting. So I want to pick up on, obviously, you know, talking about how much we're going into ourselves Mm. and, actually looking into ourselves right now for me especially is a great stage to yeah because you've got time it's harder when you've got the baby exactly (laughs) if I you know knowing this now is great yeah so talking about self-care like how do you look after yourself how did you look after yourself in pregnancy and also in motherhood because I know you're a kundalini prenatal Mm -hmm. teacher Mm -hmm. yoga teacher so Tell me a little bit about your practice and your meditation practice and the difference between pregnancy when you're pregnant and then in motherhood. Yeah, so my journey around this is sort of in three parts. So Mm. when I was pregnant, I was really good, and I'll talk about that. Then I had these six months where it all went out the window and (laughs) I crashed, and that's when I was started motherhood. And then then my recovery from that, another mini recovery where I learned to fit it all in. So I'll talk about those three. Yeah. But so when I was pregnant, I was really good at looking after my mind first. So I think, for me, most of my physical health will start in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I was really great at daily meditation. Not long, like 10, 15 minutes. Um, I was really good at journaling. So for me, a lot of fear came up around pregnancy, around... Would I be a good enough mum? Would I cope with this? Um, You know, what does this mean for me? Am I going to lose myself? What about everything that I want to do in my life? You know, a lot of fear. A Mm. lot of fear. I am wired for fear. um, But a lot of fear came up. So I I journaled about that. And I spoke to my husband with it. And I had lots of therapy. And I went to a lot of recovery meetings and spoke to other mums on a spiritual path. How do you... How do you manage all this? So I really looked after my mind. And then I looked after my body, as you say, because when I was five months pregnant, I trained as a Kundalini prenatal teacher, um, which honestly was the best thing that I ever did. Oh. Yeah, so so I was looking after my mind and my body, and I was really conscious of the basics. So sleep, water, and exercise. And my um, Kundalini teacher, a lady called Gurmuk, is... Um, She is a real advocate for staying fit during pregnancy, not doing hip classes or anything bonkers like that. But for me, it was walking. So I did... I love walking. I did a lot of walking, and she prescribes five miles a day, which I did do, not right at the end, but I did do, and squatting. So I did a lot of squatting, which I needed, because I had Jessie at home, and I had to be very active during that. So I was really good, actually, at self-care and I also we were talking about it a bit earlier before we started recording I was great at protecting myself from some of the scaremongering and the negativity Mm -hmm. that I found overwhelming 
So I didn't really let anyone share a negative birth story with me. I very respectfully, very kindly said to them, I want to hear about your story, but can I hear about it when I've had my experience? Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Everyone got it. Everyone was like, okay. Um, So I I didn't let my mind become flooded with the negativity because my mind, which I know intimately because of all the meditation that I've done, is negative enough on its own. Mm. Like, my mind can come up with catastrophe after catastrophe. It doesn't need external input of what could go wrong because it literally flips my lid. So I think part of my self-care was was around creating a bit of a bubble around me and, and Jesse, um, obviously with fetus, and, and my husband, and just being really clear on how we wanted the experience of my pregnancy and birth to be. Um yeah and then I had her and uh we talked about it a bit that first sort of six months I lost all of that and Mm. ended up a big crumpled mess on the floor and then after that I've learned and I'm still learning because it changes every time that she changes how to fit in three things that are daily non-negotiables for me so the first is meditation the second is journaling and the third is gratitude so pretty easy like I can do it all in about 20 minutes I'll do other things on top of that like yoga or um I'll read something inspiring if I can fit it in but those three things I do every day and I've just learned how to fit them in um with fitting them in with her I mean it's the same like I find time to shower and wash my hair and brush my teeth so I make sure I find time to do those three things and and honestly that's been the platform that I've built back up again Mm. to to feeling you know, happy and confident and secure inside again. So your yoga practice, did you have a physical yoga, like an asana-based practice at all during your pregnancy? Or I'm yeah. always interested to know how, kind of, we were talking earlier about not you not having nausea and those particular symptoms, and that's what's mainly kept me off my mm. mat on a physical, and I've actually been doing a lot of walking because um, that's just felt so much better yeah. for my body than actually doing a physical asana practice. And luckily for me, my yoga practice isn't just physical. You know, I have the other side, so which is great. So I haven't just been kind of missing that because I've had other ways of practicing yoga but did you have a physical practice Mm -hmm. at all yeah so I carried on um I took advice from whoever led the class Mm. and just said you know in four weeks or it my guy and I my husband laughed because we were like there's you know probably 20 yoga teachers around London that know you're pregnant and none of our friends and family do because I would always (laughs) go up at the start of the class and whisper you know I'm five weeks and she'd be like wink and then yeah you know would just give me a, you know a few things not to do so I carried on um all the way actually and my and my kundalini if anyone knows kundalini it's you know the kriyas are very physical mm. and the, the pregnancy version of kundalini is um is, is gentler however it's just as hardcore in its staying power so anyone that knows kundalini you do you do one move for 11 minutes Mm. um so i would say i've probably never been as physically strong than when i was pregnant i'm definitely not as strong now as i was then because i was doing it every day wow i was doing about an hour of kundalini a day wow yeah all yeah. guided, or were you doing some by yourself as well? Well, because I, I, I was lucky enough to learn. Yeah. Um, so then I would do some guided. Um, there's not that, that many classes in London, actually, and, you know, the geography is quite challenging, so I would do quite a lot of it on my own as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh, how amazing. How amazing. So, 
all of this, um, and we've talked about a little bit of mother kind, um, and I want to go into that a little bit deeper now. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like you juggle so much. It's it's amazing. You've got, you know, looking after your daughter, mother kind, your marketing, yeah. your husband, which they need to be juggled. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. How do you, how, how do you do all of it? And, and is it easier now that you've given birth and you do you find that you're now in a pattern of kind of solid motherhood or was was it also still difficult to juggle during pregnancy pregnancy was easier because I didn't I wasn't doing mother kind then obviously Mm. um I was consulting and I was definitely winding down my consultancy towards the end so I did find it easier um now that I'm a mum I know it doesn't it doesn't really get easier because I think you know Jessie's changing so much and her needs changing so you know I think I actually think I'm incredibly lucky that I work for myself on both the things that I do so I'm able to be flexible Mm. but um yeah my sort of view on the juggle and the balance is my practice around it is how can I find a way to feel okay inside despite basically chaos outside of me because <laughs> I think if I if I made it my mission to sort of have everything in neatly tied parcels and mm. everything outside of me lined up and controlled and that's there and that's there and that's there you, you know what it's like you know especially working for yourself especially yeah. doing you know content business like we like we do um nothing ever lines up and it's constantly changing and um so yeah so my practice is more less about trying to to get everything controlled outside of me more about how can I find some level of acceptance even enjoyment in the sort of chaos of it um and I find that really empowering because then it's down to me you know and of course I do certain things to help like I have a rule where I don't go on social media at the weekends and things like that but I don't teach that stuff because each of us is so different Mm. um what I'm passionate about teaching is you know how we can get that inner landscape sorted first so that when stuff starts to go off the rails it doesn't send us into that downward crazy spin Mm. um so I'm incredibly easy on myself I called it mother kind because I think that's the number one skill that we need as mums is the ability to give ourselves a break Mm. I am really easy on myself doesn't mean I let myself off the hook and I'm not accountable to myself and responsible. It means that I don't let my inner critic, you know, drag me down. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how I do it. I don't really, um, I don't really try and get it all perfect outside of me. I just try and practice feeling all right with it being bonkers. Because, <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, like you said, you know, I've got mother kind, which is growing really fast. And I get a lot of emails and a lot of messages every day on that to respond to and, I do consultancy with brands and then, you know, I have Jessie and, you know, family and, you know, all of it. We all do. It's, you know, it's bonkers, isn't it? It is. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's nonstop. And I think a lot of people don't realise when you work for yourself, unless you put like solid, solid boundaries up, I think it is, it is nonstop. Like I will still get emails kind of because I run retreats and yoga classes and prenatal and then this now as well. I'm constantly, you know, all hours getting stuff. Unless I say, actually, you know what, today I'm not going to look at my emails after 7 o'clock in the evening or on the weekend it's done. I'm not... My husband actually doesn't work kind of 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. So sometimes 
actually a lot of the time he is working weekends. So it's sometimes better for us to have Monday and Tuesday together yeah. rather than, yeah. which is nice and it's great that it's flexible. Um, but solid boundaries wouldn't work for kind of me either. So it's interesting to know that, yeah, make it okay for you that yeah. it's going to be hectic outside. Yeah, <laughs> or just make it okay for you however you set it up. So for me, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, do you work on holiday? And I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't feel like work for me. I genuinely yeah. love what I do. So, yeah. you know, sitting for an hour in the sun while Jessie's napping or wherever we are and replying to a few emails doesn't feel hard to me it feels quite joyful I love Mm, it mm. so I think everyone is so different aren't they but I know you know back when I was in my corporate jobs I would have really resented that yeah because it didn't feel aligned with my purpose and my passion and who I was and what I wanted to do so I think yeah it's just about working out what's right for you and what's right for me that's that's been my biggest um it's given me the most through this journey so far Mm. of being all right with it um it just yeah, how does how do I want to do this, and how does what feels good to me in experimenting? You know, I've done so much experimenting, and I always say that you know, let's lighten up about this stuff. Try it, like try putting a seven pm deadline on emails, and you know, if you can't get to it, and it's making you really stressed in the morning when you wake up and you've got thirty, maybe that's not gonna work. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I do lots of experimentation like that, working out what feels good, and then if it feels good and it works for me, then I might try it in different areas and. That's all we can do, isn't it? It's just try and figure it out on the fly. I also don't like rules coming from outside of me. (laughs) So this whole, like, you know, 5am miracle morning thing, you know, I know some people really subscribe to it, but I don't do any rules like that that I haven't, you know, that I just take from outside and apply because that that doesn't work for me. I'll take something like that. I might try it, which I did. You know, I tried a couple of weeks of 5amers and it didn't work for me. So put it down again. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about Motherkind. Yeah, so Motherkind started um, when I sort of had this self-care crash when Jessie was six months. And I I had wanted to... So I'd been in corporate jobs and, and consulting uh, with brands and marketing. And I'd but had this sort of parallel passion for well-being and done all these trainings. And in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to do something more in that world a passion project which is really what Malachi is and um yeah so when that happened that there's something just clicked in my brain I thought well, maybe all these trainings that I've done including of course the you know pregnancy it can be more perfect maybe that's why I did them all to help mums like me and um and because of my marketing background the first thing I did was put together a survey because I was like well maybe <laughs> maybe it's only me and um 200 mums responded to that which is good and 90% of them said that they felt some level of guilt anxiety and stress most days right and that just blew me away because I thought god it isn't just me we're all struggling with this mm. um so the next day I set up Motherkind and um, originally I thought I'd do a blog and then I realised that mums don't have time to read blogs so um, and I'd always loved podcasts like always Um, and even like three four years ago I thought I'd love to do a podcast you know I didn't know what the focus would be Um, and I thought you know the the way that I was consuming podcasts was when I was walking Jessie in the sling or the buggy I was listening I was doing the washing I was whizzing up the character you know I was always listening to something so I thought oh I'll start with a podcast which is what I did, <clears throat> and it's now developed, and I do 
workshops, talks, I work with brands. Um, I coach mums one-to-one now because I get asked so much. So, yeah, so it's really growing. That's it's really growing. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I really love it. That's, well, I mean, that's that's why kind of mum talk started as well because... I just, I'm the same, I consume podcasts when I go walking and I'm just doing things around the house because, you know, being self-employed, as you know, you can spend a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have something going on in the background and having a listen and, and chatting. So I can completely, completely get why you started. So what kind of, what do you do within Motherkind? Give us a little bit more depth to... Um, not just the podcast, but also through your events and when you work with brands, what kind of things are you are you discussing? Yeah, so my sort of main message is about being kinder to ourselves. Mm. And within that is about insourcing our power again. So I really teach some techniques and what I'm passionate about teaching is the inner work. Um, so you won't ever hear me give sort of real specific things to do other than have you journaled about that have you meditated on that have you sat with yourself quietly and thought about that so that's what I'm passionate about is not about trying to find perfection um outside of us or or anything to do with that it's all about inner work so with being kind to ourselves I really encourage people to get to know what their inner critic sounds like I think we all have one oh yeah Um, and learn to really simple things that we can do just to learn to give ourselves a break because I don't think there's anything harder than motherhood personally Mm. I I haven't experienced anything more challenging and I think the thing that we need the most of is self-kindness and self-compassion and yet I think as we were talking about earlier you know with this backdrop that we're raising our children in of social media and all access to all this stuff at our fingertips I don't think it's ever been harder to do that you know the pace of our lives and what's going on and so that's really what the mission of Motherkind is about um and I call it you know I call it reconnect to you in the mayhem of mother mm. motherhood mother modern motherhood even because I think there's so much opportunity to step out of ourselves and like we were talking about with books and advice and blogs and, and everything you know there's so much opportunity to disconnect from what feels right for us and um so I teach how to do that but I teach how to do it for busy mums Mm. so I don't say you have to go and do what I did you know week-long retreat or 10 days the passing a silent retreat and you know I teach how to do that with four time poor mums in really effective ways partly that I've learned myself and partly that I've I've studied gosh that sounds amazing yeah (laughs) I want to do it I have like I have often what I you know often I'm sure you get this as a yoga teacher you know often what I do is just tell people that they're they're good enough and they're doing a great job absolutely and I show them ways to you know soften their inner experience of themselves Mm. and um yeah get to know what's right for them because so many mums will come to me and and I've read so many books or they'll be thinking I should be doing this or I feel guilty all the time you know guilt is a massive one that I actually have a whole coaching program around guilt um, and I think the antithesis is kindness to ourselves so mm. yeah so it's good it's good I love it I absolutely love it it gives me such joy you know even not just clients that I work with you know even someone listens to the podcast and says that I turn their day around you know I actually oh, shed a little tear yeah. because 
just having a being of service and and helping and using my experience and all my trainings it feels like a dream come true to be honest yeah oh absolutely it is the best thing when you get amazing feedback yeah yeah and you realize you're actually making a huge difference in someone's day yes it's the nicest thing although I'm practicing just being detached from that at the moment because I think you know as you know I'm sure but yours will as well you know as they both grow we will be getting you know not so great comments and so I'm practicing while everything's positive just Mm. detaching and you know can I believe in this just because I believe in it not Mm. not because people are telling me it's good absolutely you know it's tricky but I think it's important for for me personally because I'm so attached to what people think of me and Mm. getting external validation so I'm really practicing detaching Mm. at the moment yeah which is sensible so sensible so we spoke about this very, very, very briefly um, before we turned on the mic, mm-hmm. but I am so interested to hear your birth plan and your birth story, Yeah, if you're willing to share. Yeah. Because as I mentioned to you, when the mic wasn't on, I would very much love to have a home birth and I'm yet to talk to anyone that has had okay. a home birth. So. It would. We heard Lisa's story on the podcast um, in in this week's or last week's episode, depending on when you're listening. Um, and she very much uh, was hospital based birth. Yeah. Um. So I would love to hear about what you had planned. Did it go to plan? Okay. Or, okay. Yeah. So. Fill us um, in. Yeah, my story's interesting because I started. So when I was sort of found out I was pregnant, and then we made the announcement at twelve, thirteen weeks. Um, my in-laws very kindly offered to help uh, financially so that we could have a private hospital birth. And I went and looked around a very famous private hospital in London. And um, there was a part of me that loved the idea of that, especially when I saw the food menu. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this looks amazing. (laughs) You could order like lobster. It was like, yeah, it was mad, 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 mad. And I thought, oh, that you know god what a privilege like not many mums you know this is it was bloody expensive not many mums get this so part of me was excited for that that like ego part of me I suppose but deep inside um as uh, so I was with a consultant obstetrician and she was being very um black and white about what was going to happen and how I was going to birth and how I was going to labor and um instinctively it didn't feel to me like there was much room for how I felt Mm. or what the experience was going to be like for me and but I didn't say anything I sort of okay that's quite interesting and as I started so I then I you know and, and then I put down what to expect when you're expecting as we talked about earlier and I started to look for some other books uh, more in line with I guess how I lived the rest of my life which was on quite a spiritual basis so I started to read a few books by Inna May Gaskin um, by Gurmuk who I who I ultimately trained with and a few other books that were talking about birth in quite a different way and something in me just lit up and it made mm. total sense to me um, and I read a hypnobirthing book and you know it was talking about the conditions that the body needs to birth in and it was saying you know the body needs to feel safe and the body needs to feel um empowered and the body and your mind needs to feel calm because if any of those things if your body doesn't feel safe your body will tense up and I thought you know that's right and I'd seen a few animals be born and things like that and I'd seen 
you know, how the mum often went to a quiet, dark corner on her own and she would go into herself and it just made sense to me and I just started thinking, oh, that's interesting. So maybe bright lights and strangers isn't going to be the best way for me to give birth. And I I sort of had this intention that I wanted to have a really empowering birth. My mum had had really empowering positive births and um, I think that has quite a big impact. Mm. And so I thought, God, I'd love that. I would love to have a birth that I felt empowered by, not necessarily, you know, a certain way, uh, just that I felt really positive about because so many of my friends were traumatised by their birth. Really? Um, it's huge. I did a podcast, if anyone's interested, with an amazing uh, psychiatrist about birth trauma, and it's it's a way bigger issue than I realised. So at the time, I didn't know that, but I was tapping into the part of me that wanted to have an empowering experience and then through a really weird course of events, which we haven't got time to go into, I ended up on an island in Sweden with 40 women training to be a Kundalini pregnancy teacher when I was five months. And when I showed up, Gurmuk, who was the, the teacher, a very famous teacher in, in Kundalini, although it's quite niche, um, she said, oh, Zoe, where are you giving birth? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to this private hospital. Because that was still my plan. Yeah. You know, I was having all these feelings inside, but I hadn't actually changed the plan yet. And she just smiled and nodded. And um, what was most amazing in that experience in Sweden was that there were 40 women, but at least half of them were midwives. Wow. Yeah. And they were from all around the world. So every lunch, every break, and there were only three of us who were pregnant, and we were treated like goddesses. I mean, honestly, it was the best week of my life, that's what I say, because I didn't lift a finger. Um, and so I spent all my time with these midwives, you know, almost like every day I'd go and have lunch with a different one or a different group of them, and they were all from different countries. And I just felt like that was a crash course for me. And, and the message that came out loud and clear was about you know, the condition that I needed mentally and physically to have an empowering birth and um, what I, that I needed to be physically strong and birth is a, is a physical act and mm. so that's why I focus so much on my physical strength. And, um, yeah, so a seed was planted and um, a lot of people there were, were midwives who gave home births and had had home births themselves so it started to feel more normalized to me because if you'd have said it before I th- would have thought that was bonkers mm. like why would you do that that's crazy um so that experience in Sweden made it feel very normal and actually one of the midwives was from Holland and she said well if you have if you give birth in Holland in a hospital they will uh, you know if you're planning that they'll say oh was something wrong because you only give birth really? in hospital if there was something not you know, if you didn't have a normal pregnancy. So I thought, God, well, if this pregnancy progresses normally, everything has to be normal. That's what I'd say. You know, there's no risk. I had zero risks um, from a medical perspective. And I thought, well, then maybe I could consider a home birth. And I sort of think... And then there was a little flutter inside, and I felt pretty excited about that. Because I thought, that could work for me. No, Knowing my mind is wired for this negativity... You know, it would only take one machine to start beeping or one midwife's face to change and my mind would go bonkers on that. And before I know it, my body would have tensed and I probably would end up with an emergency section. You know, that's real projection, but I could imagine that happening to me. So, um, but I thought, how the hell am I going to broach this with my husband? He's like 
Mr. Down the Line scientist, black and white, you know, and I thought, he's never going to go for this. I need to think about how to pitch this, especially given that incredibly generously we'd had this offer to go to this super posh hospital. So halfway through the work, it's Thursday, so I was on this retreat for nine days or something, and about halfway through, um, Guy, my husband, we hadn't had any contact, and he sent me a message and said, how is it going? And I said, all good. And something in me was like, well, don't mention the home birth thing yet. I'll talk about it when you get home. And I said, oh, what have you been up to? And he said, oh, I've got something I want to talk to you about, actually. He said, I was out last night with all my, you know, lad mates, and everyone was dads. And they got in the pub to talking about birth. He said, there were about 10 of us there, and only one guy said that it was good. And they'd had their baby at home. He's like, do you think we should consider it? No way. And I was honestly like, burst into tears at the synchronicity of it. And from that moment, I absolutely knew that was... You know, and not to get too woo-woo, but I, you know, I do believe that babies know how they want to be born. Mm -hmm. If that's emergency section or whatever it looks like, I believe they know. And I thought, this baby, this baby wants to be born at home. Mm. So I applied to Guy and I said, I cannot believe it. Um, I've been figuring out how to broach this with you. It's absolutely what I want for us. So then we set about planning there so we got private midwives and it wasn't easy you know a lot of our family um really struggled to put Mm. it mildly with our decision um I think there's a lot of misinformation out there I think people felt like it was my first why would I risk that um I actually felt like the more and more reading that I did and I'm a bit of a knowledge junkie so I didn't just read the books like I read the studies full-on studies You know, websites like the Cochrane Review, I've read all the NICE guidelines. I read the World Health Organization guidelines. I There wasn't any stat that I didn't know about positive outcomes on home birth and the risks. And so I wasn't, like, callous about it. I really did my work, and I really worked with myself and thought, is this what I want to do? And I've really chosen my midwives incredibly carefully. I was very blessed that I could afford to have private midwives, and I get that that's very rare like not many people can do that so I was very lucky for that because they saw me from 30 weeks once a week wow yeah and then they came involved yeah they knew me they felt like they knew my body they knew my mind we talked at length about everything yeah um you know that I was on the phone to them sometimes if I had a wobble uh, and then they came every day after she was born for two weeks. So, wow. Yeah, so I had I had an awful lot of support. And the birth itself, I don't know how long, I mean, it's such a long story, but the birth itself was incredible. Um, Jessie's heart rate didn't change once. Wow. The whole time. So she was exactly where she needed she to be. She was where she needed to be. Happy. And the midwife said they were like, afterwards, they were like, that was pr- that's pretty rare. It didn't change. Wow. Yeah, it was a very slow birth, but I, you know, I believe that slow births can sometimes be good births if that's the way it's meant to go, which is obviously how it did for me. So it's a total about 40 hours labouring. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't say I ever experienced pain. I experienced intensity. I never experienced anything that I thought overwhelmed me. Do you think that's because you were able to and you had the knowledge to prepare your mind for that? Yeah. There were moments where I could feel my mind 
I don't know if you've experienced this, it's like a gateway, like I could feel that I could step into panic and fear, you know, Absolutely, about, I about that, 30 yeah. hours in, I remember looking at myself in my bathroom mirror, and it was intense, and I was absolutely exhausted, and I was like, I could choose to step into panic and fear now, but I just chose not to, and I think that's because I had this strong meditation practice that I could see that thought and create a bit of a gap and choose something else Mm. and I just chose another thought it's all happening perfectly it's all happening perfectly I just had my affirmations I had um you know candlelight I had all my favorite scents I made a little shrine because after the yoga training I'd been given all these gifts and um from the women on the retreat so I'd made that into a little shrine. Oh, special. I, yeah, it was very, very special. It's very special. I was on my own for quite a lot of it. Um, one of my midwives was a, also a masseuse. So I had, oh, wow. I had a, a massage. Oh, I had goodness. a lot of... Um, yeah, I had some uh, homeopathic treatments through the, through the labour. I used clary sage when I wanted to speed things up. I used music. I used the pool. Um, and I used squatting, so she wasn't a part of it, and I still don't really know where I'm with this, but I think at some point my body was almost a bit too relaxed, Um, and people do talk about that in the pool, and I didn't really believe it before it happened to me, because I was like, really? But, you know, it was very slow, it was very slow, Um, which I now think is a good thing, because I, I didn't tear or have anything like that, there was nothing because I think it was so slow to descend. Mm. Um, but we did use walking up and down the stairs. We used squatting a lot. Um, I just felt really, I felt really confident in my midwives that were with me. And I felt very confident in my body's ability. And I felt very safe because I was very, I'd done a lot of mapping out what would happen if we needed to get to hospital. Yeah. So I felt very held in all elements Really, I felt my body was strong, I felt my mind was strong, and I also felt like I had safety nets around me. I did have a few wobbles, like I had a moment of transition, and I pushed her for three hours, which was exhausting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So in hospital, they wouldn't have allowed me to do that. They, I would have had a section, I think, because um, she was very slow to descend. And and the current NHS guidelines is two hours, right. and then they'll intervene. So, right. but because I was at home and I didn't have NHS midwives, I and her heart rate didn't change. Yeah. You know, it would have been a very different story if her heart rate was dropping. Yeah, it didn't ever change. So, I was allowed to, or I chose to push her for three hours. And when she came, she came so calmly. Wow. And I was waiting for the ring of fire, which my yoga teacher and the midwives had talked a lot about to expect, so that it didn't come as a shock, you know, the stretching, and that can feel like, like fire, and, mm. I, and I was waiting for that, and in a weird way I was sort of looking forward to it, <laughs> um, to see what this thing felt like that I'd read so much about, and I didn't experience that, and I think that's because she was going up and down, up and down, up and down, so stretching me very slowly. Right. And, she was um, being kind to you. She was very kind to me. And she came... Uh, I crowned her at the bottom of our stair. We have three little stairs up to the bedroom, and I crowned her at the bottom of those stairs, so her head was between my legs. And the midwife said, oh, well, can you just walk upstairs and into your bedroom because that's where all the equipment is. The same as you'd have in a hospital. You know, they do all the checks, and mm. and if there's something wrong, there's breathing apparatus in the bedroom. She, and I was like, 
what? It's like the weirdest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me. So I waddled up three steps with a, with her head crowned. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, and then got to the bedroom and birthed her. And um, still attached. They, de- they did all the checks. They checked her, they checked me. It was very emotional, I was very tired. I don't really remember it, but what happens next is they turned all the lights out. Right. And the three of us got into bed. And she was still attached, so... You know, I, I wanted to do delayed cord cutting to make sure that all of the iron went into her that she needed. So, And then they left the room for 20 minutes, and we just lay there, the three of us. Wow. Yeah, I don't really remember it. Guy How tells beautiful. me Guy tells me it was the most defining moment of his life. I, I, I mean, I sort of remember it, but not really. I think, to be honest, I slept. Um, and then they came in and, and Guy had skin on skin with Jesse and I went and birthed my placenta in my bathroom and then I had that made into pills. Um, yeah, and then they stayed for like three or four hours and the tidying up was sort of minimal. Like I sort of thought, well, is this going to be like a bloodbath? But it really wasn't. It really wasn't. Oh, a couple wow. of towels went in the washing machine. And, and that was it? Yeah, that was it. Gosh. Yeah, oh, and I had a sheet on the bed, that's right. I had like some sort of more some plastic it was nicer than that but something on the bed yeah so that we didn't need to change all the sheets and then yeah and that was it gosh what a yeah. beautiful yeah. story I mean I was exhausted so but but I was um yeah I felt I, I felt great I have to say it felt great yeah see that that's why just a home birth really is just where I'm at at the moment because yeah. I'd like to have Hospitals hold very negative feelings for me. And right, that's important to know about yourself. Yeah, yeah. and I, I have only ever been to a hospital for death, if I'm completely honest. Mm. That's the only reason I've ever been there. Um, so it's not... It's, it's a very difficult place for me to think a happy thing can happen here. Yeah. And even when I went for my scan, you know, I, I was sitting in the hospital and I was kind of freaking out thinking you know, this is going to be another negative thing because until you have your 12-week scan, you're like, is there anything really in there? Yeah. And I almost thought, is this going to be another negative thing that I'm going to feel in a hospital? So trying to kind of think ahead, I'm not sure that it won't almost make me tense up knowing that I'm going into a hospital. I think knowledge is powerful. So the fact that you know that about yourself, I would advise that you do some work on releasing those beliefs because even if you try start for a home birth, and that's what other people, that's what I say to people as well, is you can start at home and end up in hospital. But yeah. it might be worth just releasing some of those beliefs, and I'm sure you know how to do that and replacing mm. them with more positive ones. And there's lots of things that you can do so that if you did end up in hospital, you know, because you choose to, or in hospital because that's the way you're births meant to go that Mm. you could empower yourself to make that a positive thing but I think the fact that you know that about yourself Mm. and you have that self-knowledge is amazing because lots of the mums that I talk to have those latent beliefs but they haven't become conscious yet and they often will become quite quickly conscious during a tricky birth experience yeah um yeah Yeah. so I always say home birth isn't for everyone like for for me there's loads of practical considerations like the fact I could have private midwives so I didn't experience a shift change I wasn't uh subject to lots of the 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 tight rules and guidelines like I explained about pushing 
Um, Geography-wise, I was very close to hospital, so I was about six minutes away from my nearest hospital. Mm. So I think there's so many considerations. Um, just to look at absolutely everything. Yeah, and, and also trust that, you know, tr- just trust. Like I, I do believe, it does sound a bit woo-woo, but I do believe that babies know how they want to be born and what's right for them you know even if that is a emergency section at 35 weeks mm. you know which to some people would quote unquote be bad but you know I think that babies know absolutely um they're gonna come when they're gonna come they're gonna come when they're gonna come and how they want to come so yeah. Jessie you know she wanted to come at home yeah. like I believe that and her you know she was the calmest and you know she just she just sort of plopped out and looked so peaceful and happy <laughs> So, you know, but other babies, they want, they, they might need more support. They mm. might want, you know, I, it's... They might need help. Yeah, need help. yeah, I'm definitely not, I never, I'm not a sort of, I don't push home birth at all. I happily mm. share my experience, but it was mm. just my experience. And I think you can have a lot of the empowered feelings that I had mm. in hospital. You can have a lot of the empowered feelings that I have with cesarean. You know, there's gentle cesarean options now. Mm. I think it's more about your internal experience the thing that I learned when I spoke to this amazing doctor um who specializes in birth trauma was that often it's the disempowerment that women struggle with so much so not being told what's happening yes yeah not knowing what's going to happen next emergencies you know all all that sort of thing can feel very um we are totally out of control Mm. with the with your body and with the one thing that's most important in your whole world Mm. so you can see how those two things colliding is going to cause absolutely challenges and I know in my mind I am one of I if I'm not being told something I will then go for the panic yes the negative exactly exactly I like to almost have a running commentary of exactly what's happening so knowing yourself like again like you can put that into your birth preferences mm-hmm. um and you know the other thing that I always recommend and I didn't have one because I was at home with two private midwives but if you do have a hospital birth a, a doula um the, the studies on birth at positive birth outcomes with doulas are staggering really staggering um, because it's someone who will understand that about you. She'll get to know you from 20 weeks if you want her to. Wow. Um, and will know that about you. So, you know, if you if you need lots of communication, mm. you cannot rely on busy, stressed, often overwhelmed midwives. They're not, they're not there to do that. And, you know, they're there to get the baby out safely. Yeah. Um, whereas a doula is there to be your advocate on your side. So if you want that doula to constantly talk to you about what's happening, you know, she will do. So I am a, I, I, I am a massive believer in doulas, having read all the studies yeah. on, on outcomes with That's doulas. That's really interesting. So I don't know a huge amount about doulas, but I want to look into it a lot more, especially kind of from what you're saying. Yeah. That definitely Yeah. Like well, it takes like the pressure off your partner as well. Mm. So if something happens, a doula will, you know, often they, they are midwives themselves, it's good to choose one that knows the hospital, so she'll know the midwives. Right. Um, she'll get to know you. She'll know how you want your birth to go. She'll also have all the knowledge of the safety element. You know, they really are like... Um, I guess if midwives... If we had the number of midwives that we probably need in the NHS, it's probably how midwives would be with us. You mm. know, holding our hands, staying with us, yeah. talking to us, empowering us. But because we know the state of NHS and the midwives, the caseload is often too high. They can't do that. So a doula almost fills that gap. 
Um, but have a, I, you know, I, I've never heard of anyone have a negative experience with a doula. Mm. Um, with the doula, you know, sometimes things can go wrong, which means their experience is negative. But I think it, it, it really helps. Mm. Definitely something for me to look into. Well, can you believe we have already oh my been God. talking an hour? <laughs> I said I was a talker. <laughs> so I'm going to finish off with some of these quick fire questions, okay. which my listeners would like to know. Firstly, what pram did you have and do you have the same one that you did start off with? Yeah, so I had... Oh, I went on a bit of a pram. The first one that I had was um, an Oyster. I can't remember okay. the brand and yeah. I didn't get on with it. So I changed it for a bugaboo comedian that I loved yeah. and I still have that. And then when we went travelling, we bought a yo-yo. Okay. Which is the tiny fold-up yeah. one. Yeah, how do you... My husband's all about the yo-yo. Yeah. How... Because we... He's French, so we oh, right. okay. go so, yeah. France a lot. yeah. Do you find that really makes a difference, yeah. having the yo-yo? Yeah, for travelling, yeah. 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 But for Are day-to-day... You... Oh, no, really. I love it for day-to-day as really? well. Yeah, but just when... I guess I'm in Clapham, so I spend a lot of time, you know, on the common, and I felt like I needed the big wheels of the chameleon, which yes. I did. But, yeah, whenever I travel, I keep the yo-yo in the boot now. Okay. So if I'm out and about, I use that. It's great. I love it. So bugaboo if you're going from home and then yo-yo from Yes, yeah, so the bugaboo's like in the living room which is annoying because there's nowhere else to put it because it's massive. Um, <laughs> and so then Yeah, they're cars. really big. They're really big. And then the yo-yo's in the car. And then if we travel, we use that because you can put it in the overhead locker. Yeah. So if you've got a long walk from the plane to the luggage, yeah. you don't have to carry. It's, it's not as, that's not as relevant when they're little. But now Jess is getting quite heavy. If she's sleeping... Yes. Um, it's you know and you've got a Easier 20 just... minute walk yeah so you just get it out of that overhead locker and then you don't have to worry about it getting misplaced or anything yeah it's good that is good to know definitely with our kind of travelling um, what was your go to snack during pregnancy can you remember oh god I can't remember probably something like um, I'm obsessed with these rude health buckwheat crackers yes they're so good do you know what Jessie loves them as well really? really yeah that's good and uh, yeah she's quite healthy bless her <laughs> last night she asked me for spinach for her dinner yeah oh. I know I was like high-fiving um, uh, and probably that with some pip and nut yeah oh my gosh favourite combination um, were you solid on baby names and did you find out the gender oh god this is another big one so uh, we did find out the gender. Baby names um, is a really weird story where we don't have time to go into it. But basically, my husband and I, independently, on the same night, had a dream that the baby wanted to be called Jessica. No. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And my husband and I have, this, have these weird so things happen to us. Weird. We share a birthday and I sort of feel like we're connected on some other level. How great um, that you share a birthday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, great fun. and not so great because <laughs> no one makes me breakfast in bed on my birthday. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so we, I didn't actually love the name Jessica. It wouldn't have been on my list. In fact, it wasn't on my list. But because of this experience, it, it, it was mad, mm. mad, mad, mad. So we thought, well, we can't call her anything else. Can't ignore that. Can't ignore it. No. So we call her Jessie. Oh wow. <laughs> so... That is pretty much um, the end of my questions, but is there anything that you want to share with the listeners before we end today's podcast? I think just, I would say, you know, if you're listening to this and you're pregnant or you've got a baby, you know, it's really hard. Don't don't beat yourself up for finding it hard mm. and try and insource your power. So work out what's going to be right for you. 
by experimentation, staying connected to how you really feel and go on that track. Because mm. I think the hardest thing in the world is where we feel like we should be doing it a certain way and then we beat ourselves up. Mm. And, and it's hard enough without beating ourselves up, you know, as well. Yeah. So I would just say be kind to yourself. You know, if you're listening and you're struggling, you're doing a great job. It doesn't matter if you haven't got dressed. (laughs) (laughs) It really doesn't. It really doesn't. (laughs) Or even if you haven't been out this week, it really doesn't in the grand scheme of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me today and with the listeners. It's amazing to hear all of your experience. And what I've really taken from this is the learnings that I can look into about myself before baby arrives and having that luxury of having so much time between now and then and really just figuring out what's important for me and my lifestyle and how I can go on from that so thank you so so much you're welcome oh what another long podcast well there you have it thank you so much for tuning in next week I'm going to do a much shorter podcast because I know these are getting quite long but I just can't help myself when I'm chatting with these amazing women I want to share it all so maybe I'll split them into two podcasts just let me know let me know what you want send me a dm or email me at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com let me know what you prefer, maybe splitting them into two, maybe just one big long one, and then it's up to you how long you want to listen for. But thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch up with you next week. Have a brilliant rest of your week, a lovely weekend, and I hope the sun shines and spring comes. All right, bye.